passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. From my kitchen in a very special edition of the Cafe Hangout. And while John Pollock is, uh, uh, again, taking a small, small, small break while he's working on some outside projects at his place, filling in for his seat is our very good friend Brent Chittenden from the Geek Card Podcast, from the True North Nerds Podcast. Yep. Pretty much, uh, uh, to me, the mo- uh, one of the, the greatest experts that I know in order for me to cover a topic such as this. <laughs> um, thank you so much for, for coming all the way down here and, and spending the next hour with me talking about something that I think a lot of people, not just you and I, but like a lot of our audience seem to hold very dear, and that's... The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of surprised that like the how much response you're getting on your your side podcast when you yeah. review the Marvel movies, and it also makes me kind of happy because it means that 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 nerd love is spreading <laughs> across all genres and all people. I mean, it's obviously you know this is like you know it's on track to become the biggest movie perhaps of all time. Yeah, but but you know I would say so that crossover you're going to see everywhere. But I would mm. say especially with professional wrestling, the reason why you know you're a wrestling fan, uh, obviously I am, and and so much of the reason why we're into pro wrestling is because it feels like it's a real life version of superheroes. Yeah, if if you talk to a lot of the wrestlers, a lot of them are comic book fans or were at some point. Mm. I know like Edge has stated that like wrestling was the natural extension of being a, a comic book fan when he was a kid because it's real life superheroes they they wear colorful costumes they beat people up yeah and so they have like special moves that only they can do yeah and and like if you go through the line like there's there's an interesting sort of connection like connections between comic book people and wrestling people all the way down, like uh, a mutual friend of ours, Alex Greenfield, for instance. Yes, uh, he was worked for the WWE. Now works for MLW. 
big comic book fan. Uh, I've had him on for a couple of our Marvel reviews. He dropped in one of them that he pitched on a Moon Knight movie like years and years and years ago. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, you have guys like that. And you have the reverse, too. Like um, Jill Thompson, who worked on Sandman, uh, designed Brian Daniels' uh, Daniels. ring gear yep. like a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Her partner, uh, Brian Azzarello, well-known comic book writer, uh, did a Spider-Man comic with Raven like years ago. So there's a, there's lots of intermixing. And, and then you have guys like CM Punk who's, who've done both, right? He's been yeah. a wrestler and writes comics and now is the MMA guy, I, I guess, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, basically wrestling is like, you know, a comic book, but with uh, phys ed attached to it, yeah. I would say. And um, I, I'm looking forward to, to talking with you about it. But first... Um, I want to uh, let our people who are listening right now uh, live know that uh, we're going to be taking calls throughout the show, and you can reach us through Skype by searching for Post Wrestling or via phone at one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three. Long distance charges may apply if you use the phone, but uh, Skype is always free. <laughs> but um, I want to talk to you about Endgame. I want to give people a bit of an update on the box office thus far. It's Nearly uh, last check at last check, it's it's at about 2.3 billion world worldwide. Yep. As of Tuesday, uh, already by now, it is the second highest grossing movie in history, adjusted for inflation, of course. But it recently beat Titanic. Yep. Um, th- what's important to note that is it's only achieved this in two weeks, less than two weeks. Yes. So it has a ton of room to grow, which um, bodes well for it catching up to the current leader, which is Avatar, uh, at 2.7 billion. Yeah, um, it's going to be curious how long it takes it to do that. I have no doubt that it's going to hit that milestone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think Jim Cameron has that doubt either because he put out a... Put out a thing about Titanic. Yeah, Yeah. kind of a weird congratulatory image that, uh, like, about how it took an iceberg to sink the Titanic. It was like the Avengers logo instead of the iceberg and the Titanic sinking as well. Yeah, and as a a film critic I know put it, it's like, dude, like 1,500 people died on. Ship. But yeah, it's just phenomenal. And, and that's worldwide box office, right? Yes, I think it, yeah. And that's even considering, um, I, I'm trying to think of where it was. I want to say it was the Philippines that aired on national TV. Somebody aired a bootleg. Uh, like shut, yeah, but how long? So, um, like the I don't know if they did the whole movie, but it was a good chunk of it. Wow. Yeah, like it just aired on like the the national TV channel there. Was that an accident or I mean uh, nobody's saying anything? How one does way something or the other. get on for like more than an hour? We're talking about a three hour movie. Mm. But even like despite stuff like that, and I I imagine if you go on the like the bit torrents and stuff like that, you can get a screen oh yeah shot copy at this point. But it's still it's kind of interesting to see that like well, okay so yeah it's being downloaded, but enough people want to see this movie that they're going to the theaters mm-hmm. in, in some cases multiple times. Like I've seen it twice now, and twice probably going to see it a third yeah so i wanted to ask you specifically about about you know i'm always curious with this particular movie talking to everybody who's seen it just so that i can get a sense of what their screening was like what the reactions were in their particular screening because for for me like i feel like this the experience of watching this film has been like going to a live event except mm. it's a live event that's the same 
everywhere all around the world yeah um it's kind of like going to a wrestlemania and being able to, to talk to people and say oh in your section what was the reaction here what was the reaction here so what were kind of some of the big takeaways from your screening so i saw it the the next day after it opened early afternoon like mm-hmm. uh, i think we went 11 o'clock in the morning kind of thing to see it uh my wife and i and there it was a full theater and it was a good set of reactions. And even yeah. though, like, it w- it's interesting to see the reactions of stuff, even though you knew it was sort of coming. Like, right at the beginning, we're doing spoilers, right? Yes. Yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. I mean, come on. Yeah, like, I know. Since I've lifted the ban, like, yes, I just wanted spoilers. to make sure. But um, with uh, Hawkeye's family getting dusted... You know, you could you knew that was more or less coming, especially if you've seen the trailers for the movie. But it still got like a real good like mm-hmm. gasp from the crowd when it turned around and everybody realized like, oh, his family has been mm-hmm. been taken from him, and where does that go from here? And it was it was fun. It was the only thing I can I can kind of liken it to was uh when i saw force awakens is it was like a lot of visceral reactions of like and when characters showed up and came out from out of nowhere like when ant-man comes back and things like that people were surprised even though they weren't surprised you know what i mean there's that willing suspension of disbelief yeah. that just carried through it well that's what i find so interesting is that like you're you know your crowd uh, on opening day and probably the same as my crowd we're, we're probably all people who have like looked up every theory like we're the people who watch <laughs> the youtube videos and like you know think about all like study all the trailers for all these little clues so like yeah. all these things are already kind of like in our minds but still like the, the amount of shock and surprise really uh i mean surprised me and in particular um what really stands out to me about this entire experience thus far is the idea of 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 just um respecting spoilers mm. the idea that like i mean i i watched this the day after and i would say even like well a week after that the 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 lack of like you know the the amount of like communal protection of of these oh, spoilers yeah. for everybody who hasn't seen it even up until now two weeks later we're, we're somewhat I, concerned I, I like you know due to the nature of my podcast sometime I, I, I like to think for for my my co-host I tend to take the brunt of it because we eventually have to talk about this stuff yeah. but I tried to wait, stay away from spoilers because as it timed out we were doing an episode the weekend like the two days after the movie came out so it was going to be fresh in everybody's mind I only had one major thing spoiled for me and that was by a toy company which <laughs> was what um iron man's infinity gauntlet oh okay. uh, there's i think it just got solicited today for for purchase yeah. i believe it's hot toys has made a life-size one right and but photos of that came out now with toys and even like life-size replicas sometimes you got to take it with a grain of salt like yeah. sometimes uh, like with lego sets for instance yeah. not always well, is it going to be in there? Sometimes it is. Lego's been a good spoiler source for the last five that's years. That's it. Like, I mean, I'm, it's one of my other passions is following Lego, of course, as many people know. So, like, with Infinity War, I would say a lot of, like, what, what they put in there gave away what you were, you were going to see. Even something like the Hulkbuster. And yeah. Like, having, like, you know, Bruce Banner be inside, like like he is in here. Like, oh, okay. It, it kind of spoils that a little yeah. bit, right? But for Infinity, or, or for Endgame, they basically, like weren't given anything to lego and so lego yeah. kind of had to like make up their own sets so you get like a war machine hulkbuster that like does not exist in the movie mm-hmm. and and really it was just like i think like it tells you from marvel from their perspective they were they too were so pr- protective about not spoiling the content of this thing even willing to sacrifice you know 
the toys not being accurate yeah. to what they were going to put yeah, up. Yeah, uh, especially like and the end game was pretty good too. Um I I, I collect 6-inch uh Marvel Legends figures. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them we discovered later on from both Infinity War and Endgame were based on uh artwork that from not the finished film. So not yeah. even like the toy companies were seeing like finished stuff. That's why if you buy like the uh the first wave that came out with Endgame all the quantum suits are dark gray as opposed to a white like they were in the film because it was just prelim artwork that they were working off of. Right. So it's it's kind of nice that it kept that way, though. Like, you know, I I'm, I usually have a fair amount of stuff spoiled for me. And, and really, I only had one piece. And it was one piece that I semi-questioned a little bit. Like, And even then, it didn't really ruin the movie at all. No. It's just I'm like, okay... How do they get to that point from here, right? Mm. So, what were some of the other big reactions? Um, the Spider-Man coming back. Um, the actually uh, even before that, with uh, just Sam crackling in Captain America's radio on of your, on, on your left, left and yeah. the the portal started opening up and everybody started coming out. Mm-hmm. That got a really good reaction. Yeah. Um, the Thanos's false snap, where he goes to, to knock everybody else out, and Tony's yeah. already gotten the the gauntlet at that point. That got a pretty good one. Yeah. I, it's it's hard to say because there were so many good moments I in know. it. Um, like, and as a geek, like I know when everybody came out of the portals, I cried. Oh yeah, because when I was, I always explain it as like, and it was tears of joy too, because I when I was a kid, comics weren't incredibly popular. They weren't really cool. Mm-hmm. The movies that we had, aside from like the Christopher Reeve Superman and the '89 Batman, were pretty terrible. Like, uh, have you ever seen the Captain America from the '90s? Uh, I've only seen clips. Oh, I, I love an excuse to sit, go back and rewatch. It, it. is yeah. awful. Sure. Like, just bad. The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren's okay. But on a whole, they're just they're they're on one end of the scale. They're really terrible. Uh, at the good end of the scale, they're like meh. And to get these movies with like, I never thought I would see all these characters showing up on screen. Oh yeah, like characters like Valkyrie, for instance. Like, when is she ever going to show up in a movie? You know, and even later on when we got the X Men movies how they had the black leather suits the theory always was is like well the colorful costumes will look stupid on camera and these movies kind of prove that not necessarily though i mean they did look stupid like in the case of of the you know the early captain america film oh yeah and maybe it it took and the russos actually kind of um talk about this is that like it it perhaps takes technology to kind of match up to you know the types of stories that they want to tell in order Mm. for them to be able to tell a uh, faithful to the comics type of you know storyline yeah and and other characters too like what would have rocket raccoon been yeah without the the cg motion cap technology i imagine it would have looked a lot like yoda from like you know the phantom maybe Menace a muppet like, like, yeah or, or like bad cgi you yeah know, something that like looked really like obvious um for me like i still go back to my big personal biggest reaction was seeing cap pick up 
Mjolnir. Oh yeah. Like, listen, like I've been to some of like like the best, the biggest events. I've been I've been live for Rock versus Hogan. I've mm. been live for like Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes, which is, it was still huge. I was there for WrestleMania this year and Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. But like, I would not trade that moment of like being in the theater and seeing the audience react to like cat picking up that yeah. hammer for anything. That to me like matches you know any of those other experiences and that's a seed that paid off something that they bring up in age of ultron which yeah. was i want to oh, how many movies before that is yeah. it you know like and that's the thing too it's like this is the big movie that pays off 20 plus films right i've been listening to like russo brothers and like marcus and mcfeely interviews mm. like pretty much non-stop and they've been doing a whole lot of media after the fact just answering people's uh topics about spoilers and, and yeah whatnot. And it's interesting to like hear their philosophy about how you know they really wanted this film to make a lot of reference to everything that came before it, and you know not even thinking as much about the future, but more so thinking about the past and going through all the little movies and thinking about how they can make reference to everything, including you know things like Iron Man three and the little kid or like yeah. Thor: The Dark World, and you know making that relevant again. Yeah, uh, John mentioned it on your review of like who would have guessed that Dark World would have had yeah. such uh, like a payoff in this film because mm -hmm. it's like I've regarded it up until Endgame as it, it's an okay Marvel movie, but you can kind of skip it. Mm -hmm. And now it proves maybe you should go back and rewatch it because yeah. it's got some central plot points in there. It kind of makes me want to, you know, maybe ask you why, why do you think this has worked with Marvel studios when, you know, a lot of other studios at this point have tried to replicate this kind of shared universe formula, but haven't been able to time and care. Um, yeah, it's been 20 plus movies to get to this point, but it's over a good chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it, Hollywood is a money business and everybody wants Avengers money, especially now. Like, I, like, like seeing that one bill, there's going to be definitely talks from a number of studios of like, well, how can we get like even a portion of that? Yeah. Um, DC Warner Brothers case, I think they rushed to market too quickly. Like they they didn't take the time to build everything up. They they basically did Justice League within two movies, mm -hmm. and you don't get that same emotional connection that you do over seeing a character grow through a couple movies or like little bits of there in the shared universe. That that said, though, if Justice League was a better film. That would also help, <laughs> but I, Justice League is one of is, it's one of those things that I'm looking forward to seeing the book written about when it comes out because it will because there's so much conjecture about what was going on while they were shooting and what happened afterwards and where with reshoots because Zack Snyder was in charge of it and he had an, an honest tragedy in his family which pulled him away mm -hmm. but there are the, that's the official story there's also the story of if that hadn't happened he would have been fired anyways mm. where's the truth in that who knows right now nobody's talking about it other than Snyder has commented in the last couple months his what he would have done differently had he been able to finish it and it's, he's a he's a half decent filmmaker. He's made some good movies, but for whatever reason, his his version of those DC heroes hasn't really connected with anybody, and or or as much. Like it still made a good chunk of mo money. It just didn't make the money that they wanted it to. Mm. 
and in the that case like you look at the the emotional connection with those characters is now coming after the fact and it looks in some ways it looks like dc is going to move away from maybe these big group projects but at the same time like their productions are in shambles right now it's like aquaman did very well and we're going to get a second one of that but the flash movie it may be dead but it's it, last I heard Ezra Miller and the writing partner, like the guy who's starring in it was bringing in a writer in, in an effort to try and save it from being dead. Right. Affleck's so, gone. Yeah. Affleck is gone. Who knows what that Batman movie is. And, and maybe that's the key for them is to not focus on that stuff and get to it later. Like mm-hmm. do a bunch of standalones and then build it to it. Much like the, the Marvel universe did. Well, it's it's what's I think so impressive about like what they've achieved here in twenty two films. The fact that they were able to throughout the course of the twenty two movies not only like maintain a pretty good track record, I would say, of you know quality, mm. but to like stick the landing as great as they have, yeah, is incredible. And when you think about it, it's not just you know going out there and making a movie. It's dealing with contracts. It's dealing with a, a, a myriad of writers, mm. uh, you know, and trying to get everybody on the same page, like. And then, like, oftentimes being in production concurrently with films that haven't come up yet, meanwhile having to, like, work with those characters that have already gone through these changes in other movies to, like, it, it, the balancing act involved in all this is, to me, completely unprecedented and just so impressive. Yeah, and and I'm wondering that like I I can't wait. This is another one where I'm like, I can't wait till the book is written and everybody gets to say, like... I have gone on record for Captain Marvel, uh, the film, I thought was okay. I thought it was all right. Same. I yeah. didn't particularly like uh, Brie Larson's performance in it. Mm-hmm. However, her performance in Endgame, I'm like, oh, she got the character. And not realizing, like, they filmed she that filmed book. that first. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as an actor, she had to kind of backtrack her character a bit, which has to be weird to do. And maybe that's why I didn't like her as much in Captain Marvel, and when we see her in Captain Marvel 2 or wherever we see that character show up next, it'll be better. And there's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go forward from all this, too. Because, you know, 20-plus films, that's, you look at their release slate, it, uh, if Guardians 3 hadn't been postponed, we would have not had that much of a gap. But now we get a year. Like, it's uh, May 2020, maybe. For is Guardians? Only- uh, untitled Marvel film, right? Okay. Uh, Guardians three would be I, I would be probably my second guess. Yeah. I'm betting it's either Black Widow or uh, Black Panther will be taking that slot if that slot stays the same. Well, what's so interesting is that like not only I mean at this point I I don't know how any of these sequels are really going to like be true sequels to the you mm. know like Guardians two or even Black Panther one because you have a five year gap in between all those movies you have an event as big as this you know the the snap that everybody is going to have to answer with yeah so i i I mean i know james gunn had finished you know the script for for Mm. volume three how much is it you know taking into account everything that happened in endgame yeah so uh my co-host ryan the minute we got out of the theater mentioned something and i'm really curious where it laid because there was when James Gunn had been fired from Guardians 3 and then he was off in DC World for a while and still is going to be there for a bit. 
there was the rumor that uh, Taika Waititi was going to take over directing mm-hmm. role in it, which makes kind of sense. Totally similar. They're, they're both kind of got some comedic to it. But then James Gunn came back. But a couple months before uh, Endgame came out, and when they announced that James Gunn was coming back, Taika tweeted out, and everybody just took it as a complete joke. Like when James Gunn got rehired, oh, I thought I was directing that one. It makes you wonder now in retrospect if that's why Thor is in that movie or not, or if mm. that was something already predetermined. Good, co- good point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Knowing his sense of humor, he probably, t- uh, that seemed like it was a joke. Yeah. But the decision to put Thor with, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, was that made at any point? perhaps in reaction to yeah either way it makes sense you know it makes sense that they would pair pair the two franchises together yeah and and to to be fair we don't know if by the time we get the guardians three if thor's still going to be traveling with them or not like yeah. we may find out that he's split off from the group that and i i'm betting that's not the case because marvel recently started a comic book called as guardians of the galaxy i don't think that was an accident yeah <laughs> well here's the other thing i wanted to introduce too was was you know the how, especially um, how faithful the MCU has been to the the comic book universe, um, in your opinion, as somebody who keeps up? Not there's bits and pieces here and there. Um, I am of the the believer that what they change is probably cinematic reasons for the most part. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the MCU, a lot of the changes make sense for the film universe that they're making. Uh, but that being said, the the comic book publishing arm of Disney, the, the, the Marvel Comics, have made strides to try and connect them a little bit. Yeah. So... It's a um, weird phenomenon yeah. where, like, you know, obviously the comic book is the source material, but because the movies have gotten so popular, now the comics are more twisting themselves in order to fit the movies rather than yeah, the other way around. The Star-Lord that is now in Marvel Comics is the, basically the Star-Lord from the movies. It's Chris Pratt. And he was not... That character was not like that until the films came out, same, or not as much. Same with Nick Fury, where yeah. it replaced like the in-universe white Nick Fury with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, the well, that's even a little bit more complicated because he was the Nick Fury... like. When I say Samuel Jackson was the Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe, which was a, a different time or a different version of the Marvel books, yeah. it's because the artist drew the character like Samuel Jackson, and it was an in-joke. Mm-hmm. And then they brought on Samuel Jackson to play him in the movies, which, not a bad idea. Great idea. And then they replaced the the white Nick Fury in the standard 616 Marvel Universe with his son, that was black and looks kind of like Samuel Jackson. Comics, everybody. Yeah, comics are comics are comics are comics. They're they're sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to them. So. In the end, people are probably happy. Oh yeah, the, you know, like the and and it's like I also kind of want to ask you like how how are how is the comic book industry doing really right now? Are they seeing much fallout? Success um, from it, it's interesting. The movies don't really budge the needle that much. Um, I think when the movies come out, you see spikes in sales of certain books and certain things like that but they kind of doesn't really do a heck of a lot other than you can now get comics everywhere it used to be for a while so it's gone in phases in in my life whereas you could buy them at corner stores and then comic shops 
And then it was just comic shops for a while. You couldn't buy them at Walmart or anything like that. And that has now changed again, where you can buy them at Walmart. Uh, Walmart even has an exclusive line of DC books that they have comics at Walmart. Yeah, they do in the magazine section. Now, not so much in the in Canada, but in the United States, uh, they have a line of DC books that are exclusively made for Walmart. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, I talked to uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, who's a well-known writer and comic book artist and inker. Um, I guess I talked to him three or four weeks ago for our show, and his thing was is it like he doesn't see really a bump or anything, and he worked on uh, basically his version of Harley Quinn is the one that we see in the films. Like he and uh, his wife Amanda Connor. Um, remolded the character into what we've seen in Suicide Squad and what we're going to see in her next film. Mm. And he's like, we didn't see much of a bump. Like, a little bit, but then it kind of goes away. I I mean, I suppose it's like, it, movies are, are still something that people do. It's mm. it's relatively, you know, it's a, it's it's just like in something a, a social habit that I think everybody's kind of born into whereas comics especially now it's it's becoming more and more of a niche thing in order to go and even pick up a book or to even find out where you can buy one yeah and the 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 sad thing is is the age demographic is getting a little older now mm-hmm. it seems like there is some young readers coming in but not as much as they would like um, me, I, I've been a comic book buyer my entire life, so I would love to see that keep going forward, but I don't know how you get the people from the theater into the, the comic book shop. But I'll tell you what's really interesting, especially in, in relation to the Marvel films, is that like it's not like the comics serve no purpose. Mm. I would argue that they're still extremely important to the success of the MCU because I feel like even though people don't read comic books, there's still a demand for our films to pay respect to the source material yeah and and endgame's a really good example of that where there were things for comic book nerds that were repurposed into this film like uh towards the the ending of the movie after thanos has attacked the avengers base and hulk's holding everything up on his shoulders Mm -hmm. that's out of secret wars which it, like and it's been repurposed like it, it's you, where the Avengers have been buried and Hulk's just holding everything up on him. Yeah. And there's a couple other things like that scattered throughout the movie. That, just even like Professor Hulk. Yeah. Um, you know Falcon becoming the the next Cap. Cap. Hail Hydra. Oh, that was Cap said that. Yeah, and th- that that moment was so great. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's strange in that like you know maybe it seems like you know less and less people are reading comic books yet we still demand that whatever happens in these films takes place had has has to have taken place in the comic books first. Yeah, and and weirdly too the other things are like I don't know how true this is and it's probably not as true as the story that I've been told. I was told years ago that DC Comics, the the publishing arm of Warner Brothers for for their comic book stuff, where Superman and Batman all hail from, somebody told me it doesn't make money. Uh, if you look at the, the Warner comics. Brothers books, the the comics don't actually the line does not pull in a profit. Now that could have been then, and that might not be now, but it's one of those things that the I'm like, well, so why do they keep it around? And the idea was like, well, that gives them an intellectual property bank. 
They have all those characters to draw right. from for cartoons, toys, other things that do make the company make money. And it keeps their copyrights up to date by continuously publishing them. It's kind of felt felt like what, what Marvel has been over the past like five, six years is is that like so many of the concepts that we're seeing produced in, in the in the movies now comes from like to me like the last decade of like Marvel Comics. Yes. You know, especially coming up into this next phase where Captain Marvel being Captain Marvel mm. and not Miss Marvel. Uh, Miles Morales, you know, probably taking a big, big role coming up. Yeah, did you did you hear Nate Milton's theory on that? No, I did not actually. I purposely didn't listen to your show. Oh, okay. Brent, Brent did a show with Nate uh, on his uh, True North uh, Nerds podcast. Yeah, so Nate is the only one who has mentioned this to me, but that five year gap that we get because of Endgame mm -hmm. makes it perfect for Miles to step up. Yeah, because we, he has been mentioned. He was mentioned in um, uh, Homecoming. Yep. And that, so we know he exists in the major Marvel universe. What with, with that five years, assuming he was like, uh, what's his name, Childish Gambino, um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. If uh, he mentions that it's his little nephew, mm -hmm. so little, you put like in my mind, like 10, 11, yep. add five years to it. He's now a high school student, right? So it, so it that opens mean? that door really well. But now he's going to be the same age as, as Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, but he could, he, um, I've heard various ideas to go with that. Like Miles becomes Spider-Man. How he gets his powers is the, the question mark you have to figure out. But Miles, maybe he was Spider-Man in the absence of the real one during that five years because he thought that the world still needed a Spider-Man. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. it, or, or working just like quietly in his own neighborhood or something yeah. like that. That that five year gap is going to make for some interesting storytelling if the if they take advantage of it. I feel like it'll it'll be so challenging for a lot of people, but but you're right. It could also present like different opportunities. The, this morning, it came to me for whatever reason when I was watching. Uh, I've been binging on Russo Brothers yeah. interviews like you have. Oh, is Black Panther that opens up a lot of interesting storylines. Because you have a kingdom that's been five years without its king, mm -hmm. or has it had a king since? I mean, I guess Okoye would have been. Uh, Mbaku wasn't right. Got in the snap either, right? right? So you have those two characters. Did they decide to go with you know, like like You're do right. away with that? And what happens when that king tries to come back? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there's a, a bunch of interesting storylines they can do from there. Another tease that that was sort of a uh, you know thrown in there as almost like a bit of an Easter egg in Endgame was the uh, appearance of some type of uh, underwater tremor, which yeah. leads a lot of people to suspect that it could be the introduction of Namor. In the comics, they have had their differences, <laughs> um, as in Namor has done some major damage to Wakanda in the past. Um, it'd I be an interesting way. idea. The yeah. perfect way to introduce him into the MCU is through the next Black Panther. Yeah, and I think they they just got those rights back a year ago because they were right. they were with Universal for the longest time. Um, but they, that was one that cleared out. Unlike Hulk, where there's still some like lingering bits that universal has that marvel doesn't mm -hmm. yeah yeah um any other predictions for phase four that are, that are coming up that you know who do you think takes the lead you know we we we, we probably won't have a uh, cap mm. uh, we don't have iron man anymore uh how much of the original six sticks around sticks around and who kind of takes their place um i think uh hulk will stick around to a certain extent 
Uh, I think Evans as Captain America is now done. Yeah. Um, he's he more or less stated that in Infinity War press junkets that he he kind of said goodbye to that role. And I know he wants to do more directing and things like that. So I I, I think he's going to be gone, other than maybe the occasional cameo or something like that. But he like he's not putting a whole movie on his shoulders anymore. Um, it, it's really interesting because we know some of the things that they want to do. So we know that they want to do Black Panther 2. Mm -hmm. um, Guardians 3 is definitely happening. Um, but there's other stuff like Shang-Chi, the, the master of Kung Fu. That movie is something they want to get done. And in fact, there's a good chance that it's it may not be the first of the untitled release slates, but I would be surprised if it's not the second. Yeah. So you bring in that that area. Um, it's going to be a while before the Netflix characters come back. I think it, it, we've got well, Jessica Jones is going to be later because I, th from what I understand, it's something like two years after the debut of the 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 latest season. So Jessica Jones, because all those Netflix shows have been canceled. Yeah. So those characters revert back to Marvel and Disney something like, two, like two, or, years. two or three years after the last season. So yeah. I think Daredevil is going to be the, the first one that's going to be cleared. Assuming that they come back as TV series because they could come back in, in any form. Well, I just mean even the character, right? right. Like just doing whatever with them. Mm -hmm. That's that's why it, when they canceled all those, all the actors were kind of like, don't get your hopes up. Then you know there might be a miracle somewhere, but we're kind of closing years. shop here. Yeah. Um, who do you think becomes the lead villain in the next phase? We've been debating that on our podcast. We haven't come to a consensus. The leads in the voting amongst our crew, um, Galactus makes a lot of sense. But are in my mind, you start retreading a lot of the stuff that you did with Thanos when you have Galactus. Mm -hmm. like, because he's a cosmic entity that's a real big superpower. And the other one with the time travel of this movie is Kang the Conqueror, who mm. in Marvel terms is a big time travel villain. Like there is like right. four versions of him, I think, that because of uh, it, from different time periods, he's kind of like Doctor Who, but mm -hmm. like evil. <laughs> right. And that, that might be a possibility. Um, beyond that, um, you know, Masters of Evil might be an idea. Who's if that? Um, kind of evil avengers like a lot of their villains team up the problem is is marvel has the film universe has had the nasty habit of uh killing off a lot of their villains so yeah. it's hard to draw back from a lot of them but it's also comics you know the snap could have brought people back to life who knows what what happened eric is suggesting dr doom as perhaps a lead um i mean obviously so much of that is tied into the fantastic four and the mm. x-men which I think a lot of people are expecting announcements for, but how how early do you think we we hear anything about that? Um, that's an, a very interesting question. Uh, in terms of, I, I he's got a good idea. Doom's not a, a bad choice. Uh, I've just always wondered: if, can you introduce him without directly introducing the Fantastic Four first? Same with like Galactus. Yeah, like that's all really tied together. Galactus, you can kind of sort of hang or hang left turns at with guardians right mm -hmm. they're already right. out in space and there's a lot we don't know about the the cosmic sort of side of things mm -hmm. um i would be kind of surprised if we don't hear something about the fantastic four come san diego comic-con this year um in terms of like just that they're working on it that they've got a plan for it 
Um, I don't think we'll hear anything X-Men wise for quite a while. Me neither. I think, I mean, obviously like Dark Phoenix is still yet to come out. Yeah. And beyond that, I think we just need a break. Like I think they, Marvel probably sees this intellectual property as property that's kind of been, I mean, uh, not treated the best over the past, you know, 20 years. Yeah. X-Men's not too, too bad, but it, it, it could deal with they, a break. Then again, like Spider-Man, they just like picked right up after, after the, the Andrew Garfield, Garfield films and nobody's really kind of complaining yeah spider-man's a little different though because it's technically even though it's part of the mcu it's technically a sony property Mm -hmm. they they have that until they stop wanting to make spider-man films so sony's wisdom has been to bring it back in but yeah but but that movie probably would have happened with or without marvel's help Mm -hmm. regardless like look at venom is a prime example of that is they did that and it is not attached to anything and there's good reasons for it well that kind of maybe leads into uh I want to hear your reaction to the Far From Home trailer. Oh, okay. Perhaps the introduction of what is now a multiverse concept in the MCU. Um, uh, I haven't decided on it. My gut is Mysterio's a villain, or has always been a villain in the past. Mm-hmm. And his big thing is illusions and obfuscating the truth with those illusions. If I were to put money on it, I think he's full of crap. I don't think he's from another universe. I think he's portraying it as such so he can be a hero. It's very possible. The only, and I think that could very well be the story, but I still feel like Marvel wouldn't introduce a nugget like that only to disappoint the audience. And the Russo brothers have also mentioned that when they're talking about time travel in in their interviews as of late, which also means, well, maybe they're doing it. It's... The the nice thing is is they're keeping it tight enough under wraps that it like I'm still questioning about it, right? Like, I'm just amazed that we're at a point now where like the like the the biggest movie of all time is a movie about time travel and like multiverses. Like <laughs> things that are so nerdy that I think only like new like people like y- you and I would, would be geeky about, but we can all talk about like multiverse theory now at this point. Yeah, uh, well the Endgame especially does a really good job of humanizing that concept, right? right. Like, because you get Rhodey going, like, the rules of time travel as stated by all the movies we have all seen. Yeah. And, like, the scientists going, that's not how it works. And it, it, but that in, in that, that's like us, the audience, right? Is like, you know, well, this doesn't follow the rules of time travel that we know, like hot tub time machine and back to the future and all that. And they uh, specifically say, well, maybe it works a different way than what you're you're used to, Mm -hmm. which I I think makes it easier for the general populace to to consume. Do you think, uh, uh, perhaps a Spider-Man, you know, being our introduction to this multiverse thing, is that a way of Sony connecting their other Spider-Man franchises to the MCU. It's a possibility. Um, it, it It's one of those nuggets, if it turns out to be true, opens up a lot of doors for them as well. Yeah. Um, depending on what way they want to go with... After the success of Into the Spider-Verse, there's got to be something on the cards for Miles Morales. Like, even taking away the idea of representation or anything like that, a cynical point of view looks at Into the Spider-Verse and, like, it made this amount of money as a cartoon. Mm -hmm. What can it make if we put a real person in it and bring him into this universe, too? Yeah. So... it's we'll see <laughs> the answer is probably like a a, a lot i i guess mm. i just i i what i've been so kind of i i always feel like you know i could trust the mcu to make decisions based on story first and not necessarily pocketbooks 
first, okay. right? I mean, I see some of this, and I, I I start to worry if they're rushing into introducing Miles too quickly for the sake of merchandising. Yeah, that we'll see. Um, it's I ha- it's weird. I don't have a lot of faith in film companies on a whole. I I am always of the opinion because I know people who have written movies at, through my comic book connections and stuff like that who are, who've. Like their stuff has been licensed and never turned, nothing ever came out of mm-hmm. it. Um, the, the guy I mentioned earlier, Jimmy Palmiotti, he told me once that like he's had like four or five different projects that have been licensed like multiple times and nothing's ever came out of it. Right. So with Marvel, however, they take time to do all this stuff and they take time to plan it, even when it's haphazardly. Like it, I. I I'm the one person who will tell you right off the bat that Thanos being in the MCU was a happy accident. It was Joss Whedon thought it would be a cool little stinger at the end, and they had no plans for what they were going to do with him after that. Hmm. But they built around that. that Somebody thought it was a good idea, and then from that point on, they started building nuggets here and there. And that Hmm. might be what this multiverse thing is in Spider-Man. We may not see anything from it for like two or three movies from now. Right. Do you think that Kevin Feige right now knows where they're going or is he kind of... I think they've got a roadmap a little bit because they already know certain movies that they they definitely want to do. Black Mm -hmm. Panther 2 is definitely something they want to do and Captain Marvel 2 and Guardians 3 is already on the books. Um specifically for certain things i'm not sure i i think uh the x-men stuff that's part of the reason why they said you're not going to see that for a while is because that's a lot of stuff to try and fold in yeah um in terms of the fantastic four i i think they've got how they're introducing them i think is clear to them and when they're going to be introduced is kind of clear to them when we actually see that i don't know I want to, uh, now that, you know, this, this quote unquote infinity saga is coming to an end, <laughs> uh, I wanted to get some of your thoughts on maybe some of your favorite things about it. Sure. And so a few things I wanted to ask you and we'll kind of share. And if anybody has any thoughts, I know some of you guys are maybe a little shy today, but if you want to call in, uh, feel free to give your opinions as well. I wanted to, first of all, ask you, who do you think has had the, oh, speaking of which, oh, we'll take our first phone call. Sure. Hello, caller. What's up? Hello, caller. Hey, it's Paul from New Jersey. Hey, Paul. What's going on? Hey. So I must be like one of the only people on the planet that just doesn't care about the Avengers. <laughs> but what, <laughs> from an outside perspective, like seeing the amount of positivity on the internet about it is like something that I think is really awesome and something that's really rare. And like you occasionally get that in wrestling. So I see that total connection. And like what that kind of tells me is that just knowing nothing about this, it sounds like the storytelling and the writing was excellent. I, I, would I be right in saying that? I would say so. Yeah, there, yeah. there's been b- some bumps on the way, but even even the worst Marvel movie is still okay. Yeah, I think so much of right. like why why so much of like you know our audience and I appreciate you, Paul, for sticking around for this long, even though you, you might not necessarily be interested in the topic, but having a, a curiosity. Um, but I think it's because we've been so hungered as wrestling fans for this type of long form storytelling that makes reference to something we might've seen four five, six, seven years ago. Mm. And like, you know, the, again, the moment of cat picking up Mjolnir was something that was so huge that we never really see, you know, that type of long-term reaction built to in professional wrestling, or at least it's very rare. So I would say, yeah, to answer your question. 
Yeah, and like that's kind of why I stuck around because, like I said, I don't really know anything about this. I have an interest in it, but it's so. It's almost like you're still talking about pro wrestling anyway. And like, mm. just real quick, why I like something like Bray Wyatt. Like, I've been really enjoying the Firefly Funhouse, but I think the question with everyone is, is well, how does this translate in ring? And are they going to be good enough to write this? And like, real quick, I just think like with him, they should do like a, a Waylon Mercy character of like before the bell, have him be like really happy and cheery and like shaking his opponent's hand and saying we're have a good time. And then as soon as the bell rings, he becomes this ruthless, nasty like you know, kind of gouge the guy's eyes and once he beats him brutally, turns back into that thing. And and then I thought, like, on top of that, like, have him do that kind of, like, what I thought that Sean O'Hare character was going to be, where, like, he poses as, like, this nice guy who wants to help you, but really, in the end, the advice he gives you hurts you. And I don't know, I just listening to your um, conversation about this, I was like, man, like, I hope the WWE, like, like looks at this movie and, like, understands that it's storytelling. And that's, I don't know, I just w- I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the call. It would be nice. (laughs) Have you been following this Bray Wyatt stuff? Um, Yeah, because I kind of like. I'll be. uh, I'll be honest. When I first saw it, I'm like, "Oh, this is garbage." I feel so bad for him. But as it's been going on, I'm like, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. It's one of those things that, like, I'm. They have to stick the landing on it, or at least the first one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think his idea for um, the Whalen Mercy switch, I that's kind of what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I also like stuff like the the fact that he's Bray Wyatt's come out and said I hid like a secret message and promos I did years ago that now connect to today. Yeah, you know he could be just trolling everybody with it. I believe him. Yeah, but at the him. same time, it's like it wouldn't it be really cool if it was. And he's been plotting something to go along with this for oh, like, like five years. <laughs> Whether or not like what he did uh, several like two thousand in twenty fifteen, he mm. says connects to his current character today. I don't know. I there's no way I would believe that that was planned. But you know, much no, like, well not planned. Much like Thanos, you know, being being the ultimate bad guy uh, when when Whedon probably had no real plans for it. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm sure he can maybe work it in some somehow. I like Paul's idea a lot. I mean, as is often the case with these kind of really outlandish characters, cartoonish characters, or even comedic characters you have to see them like kick ass in ring in order to really take them seriously they've tried that like even with somebody like no way jose you know they being afraid that they were you know very too much of a comedy thing they would somewhat overcompensate by having them you know be really aggressive and jose they basically given up on yeah why i can see them doing that um i do maintain though that in the end like his character has to find a target in a baby face that you know uh, makes sense for their characters to clash philosophically mm. what does the bray wyatt character have against you know uh ray mysterio or whoever and how can they make that feud feel personal how can they yeah. suck people in and that's kind of the trick right like mm-hmm. who do who's on the was well, he on raw or smackdown he we don't know yet oh okay so they yeah. haven't decided. and with the new wildcard rule who knows oh, basically on both shows yeah <laughs> um by the way, uh, we should note, and Brandon's telling us right now, the buzzard is called Mercy as a reference to Waylon Mercy. Oh, so all right. He's very. It seems, it seems like Bray's always been very much influenced by it. So, mm. um, yeah. To, uh, you know, if you guys have any any uh, calls uh, or topics of discussion on on the wrestling and the wildcard rule, I'm happy to take those as well. Now that Brent's here, but uh, going back to our our MCU discussion, I wanted to get your pick for your favorite character arc over the past 22 movies. I've been thinking about this a lot. And 
I think the best complete arc is probably Tony Stark Iron Man because mm-hmm. we, we get a beginning, middle, and end, and it all kind of makes sense. All of his motivations towards the end of the film really work well. Um, as a side note or a, a side choice, Nebula, and which is it, it's weird to kind of say that because she started off with sort of like being an emotionless bad guy. And now, like, she's willing to shoot herself. And who knows what that does to you? Kind of like she didn't even think about it. She shot herself because she is now one of the good guys and has, like, learned from her experiences and has become more human. Yes, yes. Uh, My pick would probably go, you know, probably also to Iron Man. But I I think a very, very close second and even, you know, to some people, maybe number one is Captain America. Yeah. And how well that they, you know, the Russos in particular managed to kind of like take him from... The first Avenger, which I think they did a very good job with. Mm. And remember, Marcus and McFeely did all that. So yeah. they, they they managed basically Cap storyline the entire time. And they've they've been, the to me, like they've been applauded a lot, but I don't think enough. Marcus and McFeely, the screenwriter. Yeah. But, you know, taking Cap from like this Boy Scout um, who, you know, kind of, I would say almost naively is naively obedient to his government, mm. um, willing to sacrifice himself for the aims of, you know, his country to all of a sudden in Winter Soldier getting the sense in, and there's a specific moment where he realizes that in the elevator when he realizes, hmm, perhaps the people I've been dedicating my life to, yeah, they are not the people that hold the best interest for me or my country. Mm. And I think telling the world that, hey, you could be patriotic, but that doesn't mean blind faith to the people that are in control of your government. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of seeing how he changed to the point of, you know, not signing the Sokovia Accords and then, um, you know, uh, basically ending his storyline, essentially. And, and the Russos have talked about this where he and Tony are such great contrast to one another. And that mm. in Civil War is the point where they meet, where Tony starts off as being a selfish, you know, billionaire tycoon, yeah. not really caring that much about people getting killed with his weapons, to making the most selfless act in sacrificing his own life to save the universe whereas steve already starts off as a selfless you know weakling Mm. and then kind of makes a bit of a selfish move by going back into the past and living out his life with peggy probably fucking up that timeline yeah but like still (laughs) like you know he's finally kind of like taking time for himself and that's how he ends Mm. i thought those two storylines really like with those two characters just mesh so beautifully Probably oh, a very awkward moment when his niece is born, too. Very awkward, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, our next pick, uh, maybe this kind of bleeds in. Your favorite actor of the past 22 films. Um, oh, it, it, that's a really tough one. Um, it, interestingly enough, I might go with Tom Holland. Really? Yeah. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. did a really good job and, and Chris Evans. But it's, it's almost kind of unfair because, like, you know, we're talking about leads that have received way more screen time. But, yeah. Okay, let me hear. And right. Tom Holland, for me, it, it, and maybe this is just nostalgia talking, he's the first time that I've seen an actor where I thought he was Spider-Man. And, uh, I like the Tobey Maguire film. Well, I like two Tobey Maguire films. Yeah. And I think Andrew Garfield, it, it's kind of, I always put it like Batman too. It's really hard to get somebody who's both the the character and the secret identity at the same time. And I think Tom Holland, for, for his age, especially in Civil War, 
does a really good job of portraying just wanting to help out. Mm -hmm. There's a scene when he gets introduced where it's him and Tony in his bedroom. And he just basically figures he's been busted, that he's going to have to turn in his jumpsuit and he's he's done and just it's how bit, he portrays it is just really really good i watched rewatched that scene recently yeah. and like that relationship uh between tony and peter is just so like great that they managed to do that in, in mm. such a short amount of time but to me like that particular scene is especially like meaningful now after endgame because it's peter telling tony the reason why he wants to do it and he basically does like sort of like a, his version of with great power comes great responsibility yeah and if bad things happen to the people when you have the power to save them and you don't that's that's on you and knowing how tony ends his life like you know he could have stepped away from this whole thing mm. but knowing that he has the ability to figure out this time quantum realm problem decides to step in and make the sacrifice because he has the responsibility to do it. Yeah. And I, I just, that relationship is awesome. Yeah. Um, I personally go, I think best villain to me, I still put, eh, Thanos you have to de definitely put as best villain. But as in terms of like best performance, I think Tom Hiddleston to me oh, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he's um, really good. So entertaining, so good as Loki. Uh, but I do have to probably give it to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, Black Panther. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I it, he does a really good job with that character. Yeah. To the point that like when you see him in interviews, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot he doesn't talk like that, <laughs> that like dude, all the that, time. That dude just looks so bored of like like Wakanda forever. Oh time. yeah. Like, he must I, be so sick of it. Yeah. But he's he's a great T'Challa. Um, These films have been really good for spotlighting other guys, too. Batista, yeah. I think, is one of the actors who has benefited the most from these movies in terms yeah. of a, like going forward a, like a film career. Because so like his comedic timing, like we didn't know that from wrestling. He was never really in a, a comedy angle, and this yeah. proved that he could do it. Like I'm really looking forward to Stuber. What's the, that? Um, it's the buddy cop movie he's got coming out i think oh, it comes with, out this um, summer with camille yeah. Nunjami. right yes and i know a couple of people who saw a work print of it and they were like it's it's really funny now but if okay. they have three months to tighten it up it'll be like really good i'm in i'm in um best director from the mcu uh i'm gonna go with the russos just because um I think they did a fantastic job, especially when you're not expecting it. Like before they started doing these movies, they were on Arrested Development. Like, yeah. and not that there's I mean, anything wrong with that show, but it's not like a big widescreen action piece, right? Yeah. Like the what the most action that happened in that show is like the banana stand being on fire or something. And then after that was what you, me, and Dupree. Yeah, and you just wouldn't really expect that they'd be able to handle something like and this. they have done so masterfully mm -hmm. like they they're just they they get it at least for these films we we will see when they're out of the marvel machine how they do afterwards but i think so much of that you know goes to like uh, again like what's been really impressive about the the mcu philosophy and hiring directors that you mm. really wouldn't expect you know to be able to do these like big budget action films yeah somebody like a taika waititi or or even ryan coogler doing kenneth that. branagh directed the first thor yeah that one i could understand more because <laughs> i guess so thing yeah but you wouldn't really expect action out of these these people mm. they're not hiring you know joel schumacher to like do these big <laughs> yeah. set pieces 
Um, instead, they're hiring people that seem to understand character first and, yeah. and story first and really kind of like small scope types of stories, but just expand it with special effects. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also go with the Russos, but obviously a uh, special mention to John Favreau, who without yeah. him, like... He kind of set the tone for everything that came after him. Did so him. much, like with the music, with the comedy, him and, and Downey, of course. Um, trying to think who else. Like... I think Taika did a really good job, too. Yeah. He's another guy that, like, came from comedy, much smaller productions mm -hmm. than this one. Like, I, I imagine what we did in The shower, Shadows is, like, yeah. his biggest film up until Thor, mm -hmm. and it's a fairly small film, yeah. right? James Gunn. Yeah. Um, his two movies have been tremendous, just, like, taking that Marvel formula and just kind of ex blasting it uh, and making great strides in terms of, like, the cosmic thing that ultimately mm -hmm. ended up with Endgame. Best fight in the MCU. Either the... I, see, I don't know. Do you consider the battle at the end of Endgame a fight? Yeah. Yeah, but because that's, that's like completely sentimental. I just like loved seeing everybody got their, their spot to shine. And like you could make arguments while, like, when all the female characters line up, for instance, like, uh, it's just fan service. I'm like, who cares? The whole movie is just kind of like fan service yeah. at that point. And, like, and it was just cool to see it. I've heard some criticism about that, that, that segment, but like knowing how much that impacted a lot of the, the people I watched with, like mm. I watched with my girlfriend, that was like, it, it meant that moment meant so much to her. Yeah. Uh, and I totally like, I'm so glad that, that, you know, those moments were put in there. Yeah, um, I think Nate was telling me like it was really good. Like that's he he too didn't really like Captain Marvel as much as a lot of other people, but he did like what it did for his nieces, right? And, yes. and stuff like that. I'm really cool with. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, if we wanted to go something smaller, the elevator fight in Winter Soldier. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, personally, I think one of my my favorite things still in the MCU is that airport battle from Civil War. Yeah, that's when pretty good. You had the introduction of, of Spider Man when you had Giant Man become Giant Man for the first time. Mm. I just to, that was like as as great as like the Avengers movies was. It didn't really feel like the whole MCU was really connecting until that particular airport battle scene. Yeah, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Um, I guess this kind of bleeds into your favorite moment, not necessarily a fight scene, but just you know scene or or, or best, yeah, single <sighs> singular moment from from these past twenty two movies. Um, feel free to like give uh, give some secondary choices too. The end battle in Endgame when Captain America says Avengers Assemble. Oh man, just that, because they've yeah. been teasing it f throughout the f all the movies because at, at the end of Ultron. Uh, Ultron we see that little tease, right? And But they cut it off right before he says it. And we finally get it. And it not only is it like, you know, the main Avengers, it's everybody. It's all the magicians. It's all the... Uh, there, there's a good chunk of the Ravagers from Guardians, I think, are in there because you see spaceships coming in. Yeah. I assume that's who it is. Everybody's in there. Howard the Duck's in there. Oh yeah, Howard uh, the Duck's in there. They snuck him in. Yeah. So you know, it's that's really cool. Um, I, I seeing Spider-Man in the suit for the first time and seeing the him be able to do the expressions that we saw in the comic books, like with the air, the yes. eyes kind of narrowing. And having and a logical reason for that mm. with with the Stark tech. Yeah. For that. Um, yeah. Beyond that, like there's, I I really like the the start of Endgame too with the, yeah. with Hawkeye's family, just how it was shot and how 
uh, mu- music and sound was used or not used in that part just w- was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I have a few moments. I go back to, you know, just even the first movie, seeing Tony Stark tinker with the suit and, mm-hmm. like, building the, his first Iron Man suit um, yeah. outside of, like, when he returns back from the um, uh, captivity. Uh, that was just a lot of fun to watch him experiment. But also... Um, in Infinity War, when uh, you know the, uh, the, that battle in Wakanda, um, the guys are getting like the heroes are getting crushed. Meanwhile, Thor is on another planet trying to create Stormbreaker. <laughs> Finally, creates it. Um, nearly dies in the process, but creates it. Comes back to save the day. Like that moment, that reaction from mm. the audience to me, that was the biggest thing from Infinity War. Only to be rivaled and overtaken by, as we had previously mentioned. Captain America picking up Mjolnir. Yeah, that was that was also really cool. Has taken the top spot for my favorite moment. Um, finally, as we wrap up here, thank you so much, Brent, for oh, joining me. But no I problem. want to get your top three of the MCU, top three films. Tied at number one right now is Endgame and Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier is always the one I go to because I think out of the solo films, it is the best film. Like it is the the best written, it is the best directed out of it, and the the pacing of it is really good. The acting's really good in it as a whole complete piece. I think it's really good, but Endgame just had so much stuff I loved. I know <laughs> and it, it's really hard to shrink away from it. Um, two and three. Uh, you technically already had two, but yeah. Probably the first Iron Man movie yeah. is in there because I think it was really well done. And um, either Avengers or Guardian, like the first Avengers, just because I, I never thought I would see again. It's, I never thought I would see that in uh, come to the big screen and done so well, right? Yeah. And Guardians was a case of like I <laughs> Rocket Raccoon was in a movie that I saw in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wild i think uh for my top three i think oh man it's it's really tough mm. especially like because endgame is still relatively fresh for me i feel yeah. like i need a bit of distance in order to really say it but okay right now i'm going to say um at number three iron man one okay i think it's it's incredibly enjoyable robert downey jr is just amazing um number two I will say, mm, it's so hard to like say Endgame without saying Infinity War. Yeah, because they are they are really sort of attached at yeah, the hip. But if I had to pick one, I guess it would be Endgame. Oh man! But then I I, I don't know. But then there's Civil War. So I yeah. if you ask me tomorrow, I might say differently. But I still maintain that for me, Civil War is a, is a movie that I can rewatch like endlessly. Oh yeah, because it's. It's got the Sokovia Accords, which I think are, are just a fascinating interpretation of the Civil War comic storyline. Mm. Um, the great like type of tension that they build between Cap and 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 uh, 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 Steve Rogers with Tony Stark playing heel, uh, doing such a great job, re- totally reinvigorating his character, in my mm. opinion. And then just like you know a tremendous airport fight scene, and then even a final fight scene between him, Bucky, and. And uh, Winter Soldier, so yeah. The other problem is it with it as well is there's been so many movies you kind of forget certain ones exist. Yeah, <laughs> like it's until somebody brings it up. Uh, like I always forget. Like technically, Incredible Hulk is in there or mm-hmm. too, and not while a great movie. It's got some cool parts in it, it right? It does, uh, yeah. 
So it's yeah. not a bad movie. It's just like no. it feels like it's on its own little island, especially now because tonally it's so different from everything else. Yeah, and it really it's like they picked and choosed chose what they were taking from it. Yeah, like basically in the MCU version, there was a Hulk movie. Uh, the Harlem got battered in a big battle with Hulk and the Abomination. That exists, yes. And that's kind of what they took from it. Thunder, and Thunderbolt Fun- Ross would yeah. be the, the other thing. But Liv Tyler does not exist. That whole, like, Bruce Banner's relationship I don't know if Betty. they've ever mentioned her as a character no, since that so. film. No. At least Natalie Portman's character got a mention. Like, they they whisked her off and now that, like, they're not even dating and all that in Endgame yeah. and stuff. It makes things really complicated when you have different actors portraying it, which again, like, yeah. I expected more of, you know, 11 years in, but they've really kind of had uh, two major ones in, in like, you know, um, what uh, Rhodes, mm. uh, War Machine and, and, and the Hulk. Yeah, well, they, they signed everybody to, to multi-year contracts and they've been... They're also smart, and they've been picking and choosing. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the the dude who played Red Skull in the first Captain America. He is not the dude who's Red Skull yeah. in in the first because he came out a couple years ago and said, "Well, I'm technically signed for three more movies, but I don't want to do them." And they, you know, they wouldn't want to make an actor who doesn't want to do them mm-hmm. do the part. And there's there's been a couple other actors that have basically said, "Yeah, I, I'm signed for four, but I'm I'm kind of done here." Do you and know Natalie Portman actually like did anything for Endgame, or was it just a? Fridge? I, if I was putting money on it, I would say no. Yeah. But I have a feeling that that. So for your listeners who might not know, she basically dropped out of the the MCU family for a bit because the the person who was supposed to direct. Um, Dark World was le- uh, the woman who went on to direct Wonder Woman. Oh, okay, and they dropped yes. yes, and they dropped her out, and because Natalie Portman was like fighting to get her on the film, apparently they dropped her out. And she, while she did the film, she kind of did like sort of like okay, well, my choice of director, which you said I was getting, didn't happen. I'm I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get the distinct feeling that because she showed up at the premiere, yeah, that I think the footage we saw was old repurposed footage because she never really actually talks mm-hmm. other than dialogue we've already seen. It's probably other camera angles and stuff. I don't like think that. she had any dialogue. Yeah, I think you hear her in the distance say something. Oh, okay. Um, right. and Rocket being mainly a CGI character, yeah, it's really easily added into that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow bring her back for another Thor. Like I, I think there, there's been some calming of the waves a little bit, and she, she may be back later on. Very interesting. Mm. Uh, we could probably go on for another uh, yeah. two hours, the same length of, of Endgame, but uh, we, we kind of have to put this one to a close. Um, my last question for you, Brent: mm-hmm. Has the MCU peaked? Are we going to yeah. get this emotional high uh, the next time they, they do a big? <sighs> I would, I, part of me says yes. Like, it's really hard to top what they did on multiple fronts. Mm -hmm. Like, if they want to do this again, this is again, like a decade plus long project that they've got to put into. Um, Part of me also thinks they might not attempt this again. Hmm. We'll get smaller sort of team ups, like a a couple of the characters here and there, but. 
Well, let's remember, like we we're not we don't have Iron Man, we don't have Captain America, yeah. we might not even have the Hulk by the time they they do one of these. But the X Men are coming out. That that might be the solution to get around that problem, right? Or or you introduce there are a couple characters in that X Men villain canon that can work. Um, I guess we'll see in the next couple of years. Like we don't get after Spider Man uh, Far From Home. We don't get a Marvel movie until May of 2020. And that's, it is currently slotted for that, but we don't know, one, what it is. And two, in that case, if it's not filming now, that date can easily be moved. But that's mm-hmm. what Disney has put out to their stockholders at the moment, that we're getting something at that point. So moving all that stuff around, you know, we also have the Netflix series that the both the announced ones and the ones that may or may not be have happening. Yeah, they might just focus on smaller stories for a couple of years and then maybe think about doing something big. And for people who aren't aware, the Netflix shows that are currently announced are there's a Wanda. Uh, yeah, and even what Vision? we hear about those is weird. Like, so it's called WandaVision, yeah. apparently one word. Yeah, and takes place in the fifties. Yeah, which <laughs> and there's that there's the Falcon and Winter Soldier series there that which has more or less been confirmed. There is the Loki. the Loki series, which is definitely happening, and there is talks that there there's going to be a Hawkeye series as well, where he trains the uh, the the female Hawkeye from the comics. Who maybe it's his daughter. Maybe we got a glimpse of that and. Endgame, maybe it's a completely different character. Hasn't been confirmed, but like Renner was playing into it on the talk show circuit. So mm. I imagine it's been floated. Uh, it's whether it's actually happening or not is the question mark. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Upon, a lot of stuff to watch and uh, maybe more opportunities for you and I to, to chat about it again. Oh, but, I'd uh, be welcome to do that. Thank you so much, Brent. <laughs> uh, where can people find more of you and, and your work? So uh, my my main home base at this point is True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com. You recently did an endgame review with Nate Milton. Yep. he was. We did a, a big review. Um, we had Nate on. We were going to have other people, but just scheduling and stuff uh, didn't line up. Uh to concern of listeners of your show, we had uh, an interview with PCO uh, yes. two weeks ago. That, Who that we're out. about to see tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. He's such a nice dude. Yeah. I was yeah. really uh, I because when I go into interviews, I usually I'll talk to somebody who's talked to the, the person. And John has obviously interviewed him, so I emailed John. He's like, "Oh, he's easy, no worries," and mm. that, like it went through. And... Somebody, somebody so inhumane. He really is. Yeah, and uh, and and we've had. If you go through our archives, Alex Greenfield's been on our on our shows as a movie reviewer. Uh, if you're going to check that one out, our review of Halloween with him is really good. Wonderful, wonderful. So True North Nerds, I understand Brent is a very talented copywriter as well. Yep, if, so. if you need a copywriter, uh, hit me up on Twitter or through uh, through various social media means. I'd be happy to uh, take a look and get you quotes and stuff like that. And he is at BC Nerdhole. On Twitter. On Twitter. And I'm at Way0937John. Pollock will be back with me tomorrow on Ask Away on our Patreon feed. So subscribe and you can listen to that. Uh, regular schedule starting, I guess, uh, Saturday. Because Saturday we have Post Pro Rest with John and WH. Sunday, John, he said there's a 90% chance that there's a UFC uh, 237 post show. So watch out for that. <laughs> back on Monday with uh, Rewind to Raw, Rewind to SmackDown. All the wild card stuff. That's going to be so much fun. Thank you guys for joining me. 
Goodbye.